If you decided to listen to this week's message of Daxadeo Fichard Park, we know that Jesus has placed something on your heart. So let's dive in. Amen. Like I said, we're kicking off tonight with a brand new sermon series called Winning the War in Your Mind. And I want to take a quick moment just to tell you how incredible your brain is. Now, I can't speak for for all of us, probably, but most of us have really incredible brains, okay? The information in your brain, all right, the thoughts that you process on a daily basis, get this, they travel throughout your nervous system at a speed of approximately 431 kilometers an hour. Just to put that into context, the fastest F1 car at this stage tops at about 370, 380 kilometers an hour. Get this, your brain has about 70,000 thoughts per day. That's why some of you are so distracted all the time. You have 70,000 tabs open, like John is one of them. You have 70,000 tabs open in your mind. That amounts to about 48 thoughts per minute. Okay, now I know you're thinking, listen, I literally don't have the capacity for that. But because of that, get this, 95% of your thinking and decision making actually lies within your subconscious brain. That means 95% of the things that you think and do are actually habit. You don't think about it too much anymore. It's kind of an automatic response. Of your 70,000 thoughts per day, get this, 70% of them, or that's close to like 49,000 of them, stats show are negative thinking. Feelings or thoughts of fear, anxiety, depression, guilt, pain, shame, up to 70% of your 70,000 thoughts per day have a negative twist on them. Isn't that crazy? Why am I sharing all of this? Because every single thing you think and every single thing you do is actually based on a belief system we carry with us, right? And this is the truth that we want to explore over the next few weeks. But the way you think, okay, those 70,000 thoughts per day or that belief system that has now become a part of your life, that determines how you live. The belief system you carry, your incredible capacity to ponder and to wonder and to calculate and to do all those things, Your mental capacity, the belief system that your life is built upon determines the way you treat your budget. It determines the way you treat your relationships. It determines the way you think about your sexuality. Everything about you, everything about me is actually based on that belief system I carry around inside of me. It's pretty, it's pretty, pretty big deal, right? Pretty important. Now, considering that, considering the fact that the way you think actually determines where you head in life, can you see why it is so important for you to know what your belief system is and what to do about that belief system if it is actually pulling away your worship, your affection, your attention, and your obedience from Christ. 
And that's the idea we want to journey with over the next few weeks. Craig Rochelle, in his book, Winning the War in Your Mind, he makes this statement where he says, your life is always heading in the direction of your strongest thoughts. Your life is always heading in the direction of your strongest thoughts. That's the belief system. The belief system I carry inside of me. Those 70,000 processes running through the day that determine what I think, what I say, what I do, that determines where my life goes. So in essence, that determines where my worship goes, right? That determines where my affection goes, That determines where my obedience goes. That determines where my discipline goes. My attention can either be heading towards God or it might be heading in a completely different direction. Why? Because that belief system that I'm carrying is determining where I am going. Now, here's the truth tonight. God has an agenda for your life. Hallelujah for that, friend. He has an agenda for your life. He dreams about you. He plans about you. He has a purpose concerning you. He looks at your life with great attention, affection, adoration, love, because he desires for you to live in intimacy with him. But the fact of the matter is our enemy, the accuser, he also has an agenda for your life. And his agenda is plain and simple. He wants to kill, destroy, demolish, annihilate everything about you so that you will not live in intimacy with the Father. So that you will not follow Jesus. And the way he goes about that, most likely, is he tackles that belief system inside. Why? Because the belief system determines how I live. Paul makes this statement in Romans 7 verse 15. He says, I don't really understand myself. Have you ever related any more to scripture than just that? I don't really understand myself, okay? I say that to my husband every single day. I go, Neil, I don't understand myself, okay? And then he goes on to say, I want to do what is right, And I think that's most of us here tonight, ne? I want to follow God. I'm assuming that if you came to church tonight, it's because you have a desire to follow Jesus. You have a desire to grow in your faith. Or you were bullied. But either way, if you're sitting here on some level, you have agreed to the idea of who God is and you are potentially interested in that. But Paul says, I don't really understand myself. I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. What's he referring to? He's referring to that struggle of the belief system on the inside where he knows, I know I want to obey God. I know I want to follow Jesus. I know I want to be involved in church, but for some reason, I'm just not getting it right. Anyone ever feel like that? I want to follow God. I want to do the right thing. I want to worship Jesus. But for some reason, I keep tripping. For some reason, I keep messing it up. And I will suggest tonight that it might be because there is a little bit of a skewed belief system governing and dictating the way you live. 
Let's open our Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. I want to invite you, bring your Bible to church on Sundays, bring your notebook, open it up. We want to spend some time in the Word. Before I read for us tonight, I want to ask this question. If you've ever felt under pressure or if you've ever felt under attack by things like anxiety, hopelessness, guilt, pain, shame, depression, if you're feeling at this moment that that belief system inside of me is a little bit under attack, my thinking is mostly negative, I mostly feel alone, I'm mostly in a hopeless state, Tonight, we want to talk a little bit about what do you do if that belief system is a little bit wonky on the inside? What do I do if those thinking and that innermost being of me is dictating the way I live, but it's leading me to a space where I'm more alone, more hopeless, more alone, well, alone again, I said it twice, but more further away from God than I've ever felt. We want to talk about how do I take those things captive and how do I bring it under the authority and the submission of what God says. And I want to spend some time on two passages tonight. Let's read together. 2 Corinthians 10 from verse 3 to 5. It says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive. That's what we want to talk about tonight. We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. I want to spend a few minutes. We want to, we should study this scripture a little bit together tonight. That's what I want to do. So let's go for it. Paul starts off by saying, we live in the world. Let's just stop there for a second. Because if you read this passage and you read the sentence where he starts with and he says, for though we live in the world, we should already be reminded of another statement that Jesus said in John, where he said, in this world, you will have trouble. Jesus said in John, in this world, you'll have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So when we read the scripture and Paul reminds us, we live in this world, we should already be remembering and reminding ourselves, oh y'all, I live in this world. And guess what? This world is broken, it is skewed, and this world will be out mostly to break you as well. In this world, you are guaranteed to experience pain and suffering. And if we want to use that word tonight, but let's use the word attack. What a great sermon. Thanks, Aiden. I feel super encouraged, ready to like take on the week. You said I'm guaranteed, guaranteed to like suffer through life. Thanks for that. But luckily, that is not where it ends. He reminds us, yes, we live in this world. This world is broken. But luckily, because we have the rest of the world, the word, we can all um, as well be remembering in this moment that Jesus said, even though you're in this world, take heart. I have overcome the world. And I just want to take a quick ad break here. Because... Speaking about a topic like this, when it comes to the, the toxicity of your thinking, 
the toxicity of that inner belief system that governs the way you do, the way you speak, the way you think, the way you go about life, this can very easily just kind of spill into that very horrible, but just like positive thinking theology that fills the world, right? That says, think good and it'll be good, okay? Just write it on your manifestation board and think about it and it'll be, okay? Or just try harder. Just stop being negative. But this is not what this series is about. Because think about this. Not even Jesus was exempt from actually experiencing deep, troubling, negative thinking and emotions. Think about the moment where he's in the Garden of Gethsemane, right before he's arrested and crucified. Jesus knows what the right thing is. He knows he should die and pay for the sins of the world. But what does he do in that moment? He says, Father, please don't make me go through this. Please don't make me do this. And I think a lot of times when it comes to the toxicity of that inner belief system, we have two temptations. Just replace it, you know, just kind of think of something else and go on with your life. Or even worse, just repress it. So don't even think about it. Don't work through it. But what if that negative thinking, what if the toxicity belief system is actually an opportunity for God to meet you in that space, extend his grace to you, work with that, chew on it, wrestle through it, and bring it to obedience under what he says and actually lead you into freedom. We're not talking pop psychology. We're not talking about think right and it'll be right. No, I'm actually talking about having Jesus come and do some inner work in the the innermost part of you to change that belief system because that's what's going to change your life. So Paul says, we're still in that scripture. Paul says, you're in this world, you will have trouble. But then he says, we do not wage war as the world does. Some translations actually say that even though we are in the world, we are not of the world. And that's very encouraging for you and me tonight. Because Paul's actually saying, remember, fellow Christian brother and sister, even though you're living in this world, and even though you are guaranteed it won't be an easy ride, you will probably have to work through severe pain and suffering somewhere along the line. But remember, our real reality is a different place. We live in this world, but we're not of this world. My real reality is my father's home. My real reality is the kingdom that I belong to. My real reality is even though I might experience pain and suffering on this side, I have eternal joy, eternal glory, eternal relationship that I can look forward to. And that is so encouraging. Let's read on. He says, the weapons we fight with, are not the weapons of the world. Again, other translations will say the weapons we fight with are not carnal weapons. Now, the word carnal in your Bible simply refers to flesh, okay, body. And what do we know about our flesh? One, it's weak, right, vulnerable, too hot, too cold, too this, too that. We know our flesh is vulnerable. It's weak. Poke me with a knife and I'll bleed, okay? Don't poke me with a knife though, but stab me with a knife and I'll bleed. The second thing we know about our flesh is what? It's temporary. 
as we get older, my flesh gets weaker, right? My body decays. So then he says, the weapons that we fight with, when it comes to challenging that twisted, toxic inner belief system of yours, the weapon, the tool at your disposal is not like your flesh. It's not weak. It's not temporary. But what is the weapon then? He goes on to say, on the contrary, the weapons we have, the tools at our disposal to challenge that toxic inner belief system have divine power to demolish strongholds. Now the word power there in your Bible, that actually in the Greek refers to the explosive, miraculous power of God. That's the, that is the tool, the weapon at your and my disposal to when I realize this inner belief system of mine is actually pulling my affection, pulling my worship, pulling my adoration away from God. But in Jesus, because of who he is, I have a divine power within me. It is God's power within me. It's not me simply trying to be better. It's not me reading 10 self-help books. It's not me listening to that podcast or that guru. No, it is God himself within me. His power at work to demolish strongholds. Now, strongholds in this, in this passage is actually a really important word. We don't use that word a lot today, but that word stronghold is actually a military term. So back in the day when Paul was busy writing this, every single city would have a place that they would call a stronghold or a fortress. And when that city was under attack, when they were waging war against one another, military officials, leaders, important people of that city would take refuge in the fortress, in the stronghold, because it is the most fortified, the most protected part of that city. The thickest walls you could imagine. Most fortresses in this day had foundations and walls and concrete actually going into the earth about six meters deep. If you wanted to hide, if you wanted to be safe when under attack, the fortress and the stronghold was where you would go. And Paul is busy writing, guess what? If there's a stronghold like that in your life, a twisted belief system that is governing the way you think, say, and do, God's divine, miraculous power at work within you can demolish that. Because remember, God has an agenda for your life, but the enemy also has an agenda for your life. And his agenda is really simple. His desire is to form a stronghold in your way of thinking, your way of doing, your way of speaking, one lie at a time. Remember, our brains are incredible at forming habit. 95% of your decision-making is subconscious. That means 95% of the way you think, speak, and do actually comes from habit. It's ritual. It's automatic. You don't necessarily engage with it actively anymore. And the enemy's agenda is to subtly make you believe one lie at a time, fortifying that belief system in your innermost being until you are trapped in fear, guilt, pain, shame, sin, temptation, whatever you want to put in there. And God says, my divine power, me living inside of you, has the power to demolish that. 
he goes on to say, we take captive, no, sorry, yeah, we, he says in verse five, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. That word pretension in your Bible, that simply means anything that exalts itself above God in your life. Every way of thinking, every false God, every lie, everything in your life that has this desire to exalt itself above who Jesus is as Lord, Savior, Ruler, Shepherd, Friend of your life, he's saying, guess what? Again, the power of God inside me, and that can very easily become something so mystical, the power of God inside me. But the power of God inside you is his presence, his character, his nature. And it's saying, I will break, I will demolish anything that sets itself up against me. But we have a part to play in that. Let's read on. And he says, we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. We're instructed to take captive our thoughts. Any thought that is pulling my worship, pulling my affection, pulling my adoration and my obedience away from Christ, anything that is stealing my awe, stealing my worship of Him, I am instructed to take that thing captive and get this, make it obedient to Christ. This is very important for us to follow Jesus because this is also where we distinguish ourselves from just like positive thinking, right? Because you can very easily just replace that thought with something even nicer, something even more shiny, something even more awe-inspiring and wonderful. But the key to winning this war that's raging inside your inner belief system, he's saying whatever is happening inside of you, that belief system that dictates how you think, speak, and do has to be brought under Christ. And that means it has to be brought under how he thinks, his perspective, his opinion, his nature. The very, because there's a different passage in Corinthians that says we have the mind of Christ. And that is what this is referring to. When we bring it under the authority of Jesus, it's that. And that is what makes it different than anything else out there in the world telling you to be a better you. Or the self-help books that say 10 steps to a less anxious you. Or 10 steps to a less angry you. Or 10 steps to a happier you. That's different than bringing it under the authority of Jesus who will anyway provide joy, life, peace, and love in abundance. What an incredible passage. That was one passage. I have one more to go and then we're going to wrap it up. Romans 12 verse 2. So if I know I'm supposed to take captive these thoughts, anything pulling my worship, my awe, my wonder away from who Christ is, how do I go about that? And Paul writes about that in Romans 12 verse 2 where he says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by, and this is the crux, the renewing of your mind. The message translation says it like this. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it, listen, without even thinking. It lies here in my inner belief system. The key to the worship and the obedience and the following and the joy and the life and the love lies in my inner belief system. 
Does my inner belief system align with who God is, the way I think about life? You see, here again, we see that idea without even thinking. Because remember, your brain is great at forming habits. And he is saying, Don't, do not allow yourself to become so lied to, so adjusted that you find yourself in a space where you feel far away from God and you can't even remember how you got there. He says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That word transformed, that's actually in the Greek where we get the word metamorphosis from. The process of change. Listen to the, um, the definition of the word metamorphosis. It says a change of physical form, structure, or substance, especially by supernatural means. I want to make a quick example. We had, or our neighbor has a tree that was kind of like growing into our garden space as well, but we loved it. Love the tree because it provides just the right amount of sun in the winter and just the right amount of shade in the summer. And then recently we got a new neighbor and she like, well, she said to me in the parking lot, I'm going to trim the tree. And then when I arrived home later that afternoon, the tree was like demolished. <laughs> like there was pretty much nothing left. But the fact of the matter is she can cut off every single branch that she wants. It's still a tree. And I think that's a lot of times how we approach this inner belief system of ours, right? When I discover I feel far away from God, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to trim the tree and I'm just going to go to church a lot because that's going to help me. Or I realize I feel anxious, depressed, scared, fearful. I feel like there's no purpose in my life. I feel far away from God, far away from people. I'm trapped in my guilt, pain, and shame. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go to community group because that's going to change me. And that's a good thing, yes, but that is like cutting off a branch of a tree and expecting it to not be a tree anymore. You see, she can cut off every single branch that she wants the reality is that tree still has roots in the earth, making it a tree. If you want to destroy that tree, what do you have to do? You have to uproot it from beneath. <laughs> and I think when it comes to the toxicity sometimes of our inner belief system, those things that pull me away from God, that sin, that temptation that I keep falling into that I just can't seem to shake, my friend, the answer is not trimming the branch. The answer is going deep into the earth where those roots are and addressing that problem. Why? Because it's a belief system in the innermost part of you that's dictating the way you live. And that's that word, transformed. He says, be transformed. He doesn't say be better. He doesn't say try harder. He doesn't say listen to this guru or that guru or read this book. No, he says in your innermost, if you peel back every layer of who you are and you reach the core, that belief system that your life is based on, that part has to be transformed into the likeness of Jesus. How do I do that? He says, by the renewing of my mind. It's the renewing of my mind. That, that word metamorphosis, it says it's the, the supernatural changing of the substance of something. This implies, guess what? That the renewing of your mind, it takes time. Because the world loves giving us quick fixes. 
It loves advertising takeaways. And I think this is as well where we get tripped up a lot. So now I'm faced with this toxic way of thinking. I fall into temptation. I fall into sin. I feel guilty, ashamed. I'm in pain. I feel anxious or depressed that I'm being pulled away. My worship is being pulled in a different direction from who God is. And now I try to fix it quickly. But this transformation by the renewing of your mind, this implies wrestling with God. It implies engaging in relationship with God so that His truth can start to replace some of the lies that I believe about myself, about other people, about the world. The lie might be, I'll never be good enough. I'll never find someone. I'll never have any value. I only have value if I have a significant other. Or I only have value if I'm rich and famous and successful. The fix to that is not some quick WhatsApp status, Instagram Christianity kind of lifestyle, no. The fixing of that, the reorienting of that is to allow God himself via his divine power to come and replace those lies within me by the renewing of the way I think. This idea of renewing the way you think, I, I know there's like a, there's a lot of really positive like psychology that kind of uh, was birthed from that whole idea, the whole idea of cognitive you know, therapy where people, professionals actually help you start to think differently. That's incredible. We celebrate that. But Jesus himself actually started that thousands of years ago. Get this, and I'm going to finish with this. Matthew 4 in verse 17, this is right after Jesus' baptism, and he's now starting his ministry. And it says, from then on, after his baptism, Jesus began to preach, saying, repent, because the kingdom of heaven has come near. That word repent in your Bible, sorry, last kind of nerd moment, and then I'm going to finish for the night. But that word repent in your Bible in the Greek, it's a word called metanoia. And the word metanoia literally means change the way you think. Change your mind. So in essence, Jesus started his ministry, his preaching career. He started by saying, friends, sons, daughters, change the way you think. Because if you change the way you think, your life will actually change. If the way you think, if that inner belief system is in line with my nature, my character, it's close to me, it's in relationship with me, guess what? Your life will look different. Can I invite the worship team to quickly join me? We're going to end off with a song. Like I said, this implies time. It implies a wrestling it implies relationship with God where he has access to who you are, where he has access to that inner belief system so that he can challenge it, confront it, but lovingly mold it and shape it so that his opinion, his perspective, his truth, his word starts to form that inner belief system and nothing else. 
Maybe that lie for you is again, I'll never be good enough. I'll always be alone. I'll always suffer with this sin. I'll always, I'll never break free from this temptation. I'll never get free from this addiction. I'll always be this or I'll always be that. Tonight, I want to invite you just to start a conversation with God and invite Him into that belief system. Can I invite you to stand? I want to pray for us and then we'll end together. I'm not going to say tonight, cool, identify that lie and replace it with the truth and boom, there we go. Done, hallelujah, praise Jesus and then we all go home. I'm not going to say that. That is the truth, absolutely. The truth does need to replace that lie. The truth does need to demolish that stronghold. The truth does need to come and challenge that toxic inner belief system. But, my friend, it implies relationship. God is not some mystical, supernatural genie that's going to come and fix everything for you. No, because He loves you so much. He wants to do it with you. He wants relationship with you. He desires to be close with you. And His divine power, His nature, His character within me, that is what's going to bring about change. That is how you win the war for your affection. That is how you win the war for your attention. That is how you win the war in your mind. It's not by doing some religious anything. It's about inviting God into who you are. Asking Him, Holy Spirit, where am I trapped? Where has, have I bought into a lie from Satan himself that's governing the way I think, governing the way I speak, governing the way I go about life? And then God, help me repent. And again, repent. Help me change my mind. Help me change the way I think so that my entire life can what? Be brought under your authority, your opinion, your perspective. We need to take captive our thoughts in that way. Let's pray together. Father, we want to, as a church family tonight, as sons and daughters, God, we want to submit our lives under your authority. Father, the way I think, the way I speak, the way I go about life, the way I treat other people, the way I think about myself, the way I think about my sexuality, the way I think about my identity, the way I think about my purpose, Father, tonight, we want to bring that under your authority. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you would give us the grace and the boldness to repent of the lies that we've gotten stuck in and that by your grace, via your Holy Spirit, God, you would enable us to bring it into the light and to replace it with what you say to replace it with your truth, your opinion, your perspective. We trust you for that tonight in Jesus' name. Let's worship. What a message. If you feel that someone would benefit from this, share it with them. We are all about family on mission.